What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Divi Crypto Podcast. And today I am joined by Diana Biggs, the Chief Strategy Officer at Valor. How's it going today, Diana? Great. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Before we get into Valor, let's talk a little bit about your background. What was your crypto origin story? How did you get into this space? Yeah, so I first really got into interested in Bitcoin back in 2013. Um, I had just moved to New York City, actually most recently from Sierra Leone. I had been working for six months across Burkina Faso and Sierra Leone, so West Africa. The four or five years prior to that, I had been a management consultant in financial services with a particular focus on emerging markets, um, in particular Sub-Saharan Africa. And... I had then subsequently left that job, decided that I wanted to move back to North America and work in technology, but first took a break working six months across West Africa for Kiva, actually. So that was looking at ways that Kiva could use micro lending to support social impact projects, which was sort of a new area for them. So that was a mix of microfinance, social impact um, and emerging markets work, which was quite interesting. Um, I then went to New York and was subsequently living on my brother's couch. And my brother was spending a lot of time watching this thing called Bitcoin. And he was like, oh yeah, you worked in finance. Like this should be interesting for you. Um, and it certainly was, it's sort of, you know, that light bulb moment of thinking about how global digital money, especially from, my five years, six years prior to that, working across both international development and then financial services and then microfinance um, of why that could be interesting. So, so fell in the rabbit hole then. Very cool. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Kiva and everything that uh, they do. And for everybody that's listening that isn't familiar with uh, Kiva, it's a micro lending service. And part of the reason that it's such a important service is when you are in the lending game, which my previous company that I sold to the founder of PayPal, uh, peer-to-peer lending, it wasn't about the, 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 the size of the loan that was of interest. Um, it was, you know, the larger the number, the more interested banks are in lending that. And Kiva really mastered the art of a smaller principal size because it's not worth it to a bank to do loans like that. And I always really admired Kiva uh, for doing that because it's, it's just an underserved market completely because they're, it's just, banks don't want to touch small, you know, $100, $500 loans. They want $100,000, $500,000 loans. So, uh, yeah, that's really cool that that's kind of how you got your, your start. So let's talk about Valor a little bit. What is it? And I know before we were recording a little bit, you mentioned there was an acquisition that, that took place. So I would love to know a little bit about that. Yeah. So I joined Valor in mid-2020 um, as CEO. And we've just been through or going through a bit of a name change. So there'll be two Valors here. But the, the Valor that, that I joined does digital asset exchange traded products. So 
These are our products that are bought and sold on traditional stock exchanges traded throughout the day um, that are tracking cryptos like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and we have a number of others currently just these um, single digital asset trackers. Soon we'll be launching basket products as well. Um, but essentially, it's a really simple and secure and safe way for people who want exposure to a cryptocurrency, but want to be able to do that through their bank or broker um, to, to access that. So I, I joined as CEO to help launch that company back in 2020. So at the time it was um, a prospectus waiting for approval, um, hadn't yet gone live and um, took that company live. We went live with our first product, a Bitcoin tracker certificate in uh, December, 2020, launched that in Sweden. And then subsequently over the, the next year, grew the company to 300 million USD in AUM, um, assets under management um, through a, a variety of these um, crypto tracker products. Um, we, we have those listed um, across Europe now. So the Nordics in particular, Sweden remains our primary market for those products. Um, but we also have listings in Germany and on the Euronext in Amsterdam and Paris as well. Very cool. And somebody that's so deep in um, the the space, and you've been in the space actually the same amount of time that I have since 2013. I think a lot of really great builders entered during the bull market in 2013, 2014, uh, kind of run up and come down. <laughs> and I've... I think a lot of people that stuck around after Mt. Gox really was like the true test <laughs> of, a, of a person's conviction. I mean, that that whole period was, everybody just thought it was over. I mean, I remember it was just a, an absolute wasteland. Everybody, nobody was investing. It was just kind of a, this whole dead period. And uh, it's so interesting that that some of the, the best operators I've met came from that sort of Phoenix rising from the ashes back then. So it's cool that you've, you've seen a lot come and go. And that's yeah. a good segue into like the stage that you guys are at. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about that. It's, it's live. And you mentioned that you guys had 300 million AUM. Um, what is the kind of the status of the, the project itself? Right. So, yeah. So built out at Valor and got that launched last year um, and then also worked it through an acquisition. So Valor was acquired by a publicly traded company, which was called DeFi Technologies and which mm -hmm. is now rebranded to Valor as well. Um, so the entire group is now Valor. So my role changed in January of this year, where I moved into the parent company following that acquisition. Um, so now Valor Inc., which was previously DeFi Technologies, is is publicly traded a company listed on the Neo Stock Exchange in Toronto, Canada. Um, mm. We also have. Uh, listings in, in the U.S. and Germany as well, but the, the main listing being NEO in, in Canada. Um, and through Valor as a group, um, of course, Valor, the exchange-traded product business, is still a really important part of that. As I mentioned, right now our products are, are listed across um, Europe. We're also just starting to launch more products um, in, in new geographies as well. Part of that through a partnership with 
Seba Bank, um, which is a digital assets first bank here in, in Switzerland, where, where I'm based. And we've invested in them as a company, as the parent company, our parent company this year, and are now working on a product partnership with them, which is really exciting and which allows us to enter more markets as well with the, the exchange traded products and, and do new kinds of products. So for example, with them, we, we announced um, last month that we, we've actually launched Metaverse um, Index product. So that's just a, you know, a really easy and accessible way for then investors who are interested in this thematic of the metaverse to gain exposure to a basket of um, metaverse-related digital assets within a single exchange-traded product. Um, so things like that we're working on. We're also working on um, expansion of, of our products across other geographies as well as um, the regulatory environment in, in more geographies um, opens up to these types of exchange-traded products too. Um, Got which we it. definitely see as something, you know, that's that's that should be happening. That's a positive for investors. Not everybody um, is comfortable or is able to, depending on sort of their their compliance departments for businesses, for example, to open a, an account directly on a crypto exchange or to hold their own wallet. Mm-hmm. So, so this gives them a way to to gain that exposure without needing to go through those steps. Got it. And what types of, you know, metaverse tokens would be in that basket that I would be getting exposure to? Yeah. So typically these would be the the highest market cap um, tokens and following a specific index methodology. And and those are always um, published in in Europe. That's um, a regulated area through European um, benchmark regulations. So, so you'll be able to, to see there and, and see the, the methodology that's followed in order to select whichever number of underlyings um, form any particular exchange-traded product. Um, so that's, there's the, the index methodology, which you can look at as well. And there's also the prospectus related to any exchange-traded product. And those always have to be published and available on an issuer's website. Got it. Very cool. Yeah. I'm always curious uh, just because I've seen a couple ETFs out there that they they have metaverse in the name and then they'll literally have like Apple, Facebook, Google. And it's such an interesting world where people are just buying it because the name is in there, but yet the underlying uh, companies in there are like disconnected from uh, like actual Web3 building, uh, which is quite quite fascinating to me that that's how how the the world works but it's great to hear that you guys are focused on the actual market cap of these individual projects and and basketing them yeah for for those it would depend on the product type like sometimes for for etfs for example um you know to gain approval then the on the underlyings or the the composition of that index or any basket would have to be a publicly traded equity which would then limit what they could possibly put in um for these etps at least in europe we're able to actually use digital assets as underlyings but it it obviously it always depends on the particular regulator that's approving that prospectus what type of prospectus what type of product and there are um, additional regulations that that etfs have to fall under in terms of their composition so that could be a reason for that then you also have an additional step with these types of 
TradFi products where you need to gain the approval of the stock exchange for listing the product as well. Um, and there's various types of um, parameters that have to be met in order to do that. Sometimes it has to do with the liquidity of the underlyings to ensure that it would always be possible for the issuer to be balancing out whatever they're purchasing or whatever's being purchased on the exchange with the underlyings. Um, we, we do that. Some products you need to do that. Some don't with, with our products, we do hedge 100%. So whichever amount of that, the digital asset that we're, we're tracking what the investors who are purchasing the ETPs purchase, we would then be holding the, the underlying digital asset to, to ensure that that's hedged at all times. Very cool. Very cool. Well, somebody that's been in the space for, you know, a long time, what types of things get you excited outside of, you know, of course, what you guys are doing at Valor and all of all of that good building? What types of things do you get up in the morning and you're checking your phone and and just gets you over the moon excited about? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Like as as you say, I think the sort of periods that we're in now, these sort of market downturns and lulls are really interesting periods are like the most interesting periods for me in order to see which individuals, which builders, which teams, which projects are in it for the long term and have a really sustainable proposition that can hold out beyond uh, a lot of the hype that um, this space gets. And, you know, that used to be a lot easier and kind of like a, there was a much smaller pool to work with, as you mentioned, like back in, in 2014, where we had that kind of year or two when everything had sort of just lulled. It was a smaller group. And, and as you say, like there's the people who were really building and there was quite a few of those because at, at the beginning, you needed to have a huge amount of conviction to even turn your whole career into this space. Um, and focus all your energy on it because at the time everybody was telling you that that it was crazy. You moved to say a year ago and everyone is wanting to be part of the space then you have a whole different set of dynamics that you're playing against um, and also the space itself has become um, you know quite vocal in a way too where, sort of saying like, can be very us or them, or if you don't believe it, then you're not part of the group and people want to be part of the group. So, so they're following along with certain things. And, you know, like, it's like, do you want to be part of the future or not? I, I don't think that kind of tribalism is helpful either. Um, and I think that sometimes that, that hype, um, attracts the wrong incentives. Um, that being said, it's really amazing and exciting and incredible to see, um, sort of this vision of decentralized internet, decentralized economies coming to life now. And there's still a massive amount of building that needs to be done there. So hopefully during this phase, we'll see the building and some of those um, projects that are really aiming to make meaningful change. Uh, so when you ask me about that, what what types of those products projects are am I interested in? I would say probably less so around... <laughs> helping brands to brand or enter the metaverse um, or that type of thing. Uh, really, I think it comes back to uh, some of the questions and the issues that originally brought me into the space and got me excited about it. Um, so how can we 
how can these technologies potentially be a lever to create um, new and better economic incentives that allow for more accessibility, more financial inclusion, more transparent systems, um, be they economic or otherwise. Um, And I feel like in some ways it's slow progress if you measure it against how fast um, crypto overall seems to be moving. Um, But it is actually like quite good and rapid progress when you measure it against how the rest of sort of traditional finance or a lot of traditional industries or say even... um, humanitarian work, if you want to go to that end of the spectrum, tend to move. And hopefully with some of like the like the amounts of funding that are moving into this space, some of that can be used for these types of projects that that are looking to create meaningful social and positive economic change. That will just sort of depend on whether or not um, VCs and funders want to fund those types of projects as well. But uh, I'm hopeful that that things are moving in in that positive direction. Got it. Very cool. Very cool. Well, those are all the questions I have for you. I'm excited to dig deeper into Valor. It's a great brand, <laughs> by the way. And uh, I'm eager to learn more about it. I like that you guys are giving access to more people. Uh, that really does kind of fit your background, uh, I feel like, with coming from Kiva in that uh, world. I, I, under- I understand that world very very familiar. So I think it's it's really exciting to see you doing access um, as part of this, giving people basket um, assets to, to invest in. So where can people go and learn more about Valor? Yeah. So uh, probably our website, that's valor.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at Valor Global. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story, Diana. All the links that she mentioned will be in the show notes for everybody listening on iTunes or Spotify. And thanks for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you.